is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Well, we're happy to have uh, Bryce Bolbrick, DNR Conservation Officer, joining me today. Uh, Bryce, thanks for coming in on the last second. Uh, you know, we got a new law going into effect tomorrow that is going to affect um, people who are out using outdoor vehicles and, and recreational vehicles, and that's Little Allen's Law. And in a nutshell, what does Little Allen's Law mean? Well, Little Allen's Law came about because of the accident we had over the winter where an individual who had his driver's license revoked, um, hit a, a small child in a fish house on his snowmobile. So basically this, this person didn't have his driver's license, but you are not required to have a driver's license to operate a recreational vehicles such as a snowmobile or a boat. Uh, there are instances where you do need one for a ATV, but Particularly for this case, he he did not have his driver's license. It was revoked because of prior DWI convictions, but he was still legally able to drive his snowmobile because uh, he's not required to have a driver's license. So Little Allen's Law, which goes into effect tomorrow, August 1st, um, now would prohibit him from driving snowmobile. So he would lose his not only his driver's license, but his privileges to operate any motorized vehicle, so snowmobiles, ATVs, uh, car, truck, or a boat, any of those. Okay. So so basically it doesn't matter what vehicle you're on in anymore. It translates to a violation of all vehicles. To everything, yep. To everything. So even if I'm, I'm not required to have a driver's license for my boat, if I'm convicted of DWI, I also lose my privileges to operate recreational vehicles as well as my driver's license. Okay. Well, that and that makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, if you if you need to be sober to drive a car, you probably need to be sober to drive anything that's got an engine and can go fast. Yeah, if if you lose your license because of, of uh, alcohol related offenses and you're not safe or con- considered safe to be operating a motor vehicle on the roadway, you sh- also shouldn't be operating one on a trail or out in the lake. You know, it's 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 you know, and I don't know that this would have prevented the tragedy yeah. uh, because a lot of people do things they're not supposed to anyway. But it's funny how that little loophole was not noticed all these years. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. happens. Yeah, it's funny how that stuff happens, and it's unfortunate a tragedy had to take place in order for you to get that change. But uh, now that it's happened, we will be looking for that and have another tool in our belt to take care of stuff like that. Okay. Well, I know that um, that we've had a, a BWI, Boating While Intoxicated Law, yeah. for quite some time, and that's still in the books. And that, that remains uh, in the books as you can have open bottle and you can – partake when you're on a boat correct but, but you still got to follow the state laws as far as your blood alcohol level yep uh, the operator still has to be a below a 0.08 so they can be enjoying a drink out in the lake you can have open containers like you said but that operator needs to be below 0.08 and 
you really have to be mindful of that when you're out on the lake for a full day, or if it's even a half a day, that warm weather, you get dehydrated. Uh, blood alcohol level will go up a lot faster than normal normal okay. circumstances. Now, most people aren't eating out there, which also helps keep that down a little bit, but be mindful if you're drinking. Uh, just don't operate if you, if you get too hot, too high. This is an across-the-board law. If you have a DWI and you've lost a license, yep. you've lost every license. Yep. All your privileges for operating is are gone. So as before, that was just your driver's license would get revoked. So. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good law. It makes yep. perfect sense, and I'm glad to see it go into effect. Later on, I'll continue my conversation with Bryce Volbrecht. We'll find out what else is happening in enforcement lines with the DNR. But up next, how good law-abiding citizens can catch fish. We're going to hear from Aaron Templin of Destination Sporting Goods. Fish in Paul Bunyan Country, where fishing is more important than pretty much everything. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Tom Lucas with Aaron Templin from uh, Destination Sporting Goods in Bemidji. How are you this morning, Aaron? I am wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, you're just coming back. You had a little bit of a break, right? Were you, were you uh, just getting lake time in? Yeah, yep. I was over in uh, North Dakota fishing Devil's Lake there for a week for the National Walleye Tour, and uh, it'll go down as probably one of the toughest tournaments I've ever had to swallow after one of the best practices I've ever had. So... <laughs> That's uh, that's just the way tournament angling goes, and we're back home. We're back in uh, Bemidji and ready to kick off my next couple weeks here. Let me ask you this. Uh, here's, a, here's a question, for since I spent some time out there, I lived out there for three years. Uh, would you prefer, if given your choice, would you prefer fishing Devil's Lake, North Dakota, in the winter or in the summer? Gosh, I would say I would say summer, but I, I always think summer. You know, I like to be able to move around and run and gun. That's just, that's my style, you know. It's. I, I'm not much for that cold weather, uh, cold weather sitting over the hole. <laughs> well, all right, as we we certainly have the warm weather here, and uh, and we certainly I don't know I, I hate to even talk about it. We've we've spoken a couple of times this summer, but we're starting to get into the home stretch here for the summer of 2018. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is what we consider the uh, the late summer beginning to fall. Uh, a push you know this is when uh the water temps start uh mellowing out and no longer spiking and stuff kind of mellows we're on that home stretch so it's reaction bait time and feeds are fish are going to start putting their feed bag on and it's it's actually kind of a fun time of year to be honest with you yeah it certainly can be uh you know the water is still warm enough uh, certainly uh, and uh, you get that sense from the fish coming out of it that they're uh, that they're plenty uh, they're, they're plenty warm in there obviously the uh, metabolism is is moving quite a bit let me ask you this cuz some lakes as you know around here and and some of them uh, due to uh, in, invasive species and some just because they are some lakes are clear and some lakes are not uh, this right. time of year. You have some of those uh, bodies of water where the visibility really doesn't go far, far at all. How do you yep, handle definite, definite algae blooms going on? And, you know, that's the body of waters with the algae blooms on, you get phenomenal day bites on uh, doing traditional style tactics. And, and there's a lot of guys that like that. You know, the, the musky bite and algae bloom waters are usually really phenomenal. We always used to say back before we had the big zebra mussel push is is when the water got green that's when the big girls showed up you know we started catching big females and and they were pretty uh pretty active you know they're easier to fool and now now we got to play a little bit more trickery 
Well, you said easier to fool, and I think that might be part of it. I mean, I remember uh, getting a, a big uh, muskie here a number of years ago on uh, Plantagenet, which, of course, is uh, you know kind of a stained water anyway, but had the, had the algae bloom going on on a uh, on a jackpot that had been sitting there. I had, like, paused it for, like, three or four seconds, and then the muskie came up and grabbed it Oh yeah, at that yep. point. So in a lot of cases, it is, uh, it is you said easier to fool, but uh, they, they are they operating by sound in a lot of cases? You know, I think I think it's all of it. I mean, they've got their sensory lines about them, and they're pretty aware. I mean, you're in, their, you're in their environment there. They don't know that there's air above and, and things like that, so... So uh, it's it's just uh, playing the water column game, and and they're they're feeling what's going on. They're liking the vibration, and you know if you'd watch a cisco swim through the water, it's not making a bunch of clacks and pops and loud rattles and and everything else. So it's uh, it's all water displacement and how they feel it on their lateral lines and and how a fish targets. Do you do much uh, bass fishing, Aaron? I, uh, and, and what's the word on that? You know, I, I do a fair little bit of it. I would say I, I'm more of a walleye guy. Everybody knows that. But uh, um, the bass fishing, you know, it's it's solid. There's we live in an area where you could you could catch unbelievable bass, especially for the short growing season we have. We have an awesome fishery here that's just kind of untapped, to be honest. And that might be part of the uh, part of the reason, right there. Right. Yeah, we live in walleye country, and the bass kind of takes the back seat to the back seat to the area. And if you're a if you're a bass guy, what an awesome opportunity to live in this area and and have such a phenomenal untouched fishery. Really, some of us have uh, have seen the walleye bite really slow down here in the last couple three weeks. Some seem to be doing pretty well. What's the what's the difference between uh, these groups of people right now? Yeah, definitely. I think I think the traditional fishermen, the guys that are still fishing slow, are, are starting to struggle a little bit. Now now is when we ramp the speed up. I mean, I like reaction baits and ramping the speed up, and whether I'm speed pulling crawlers and live bait or, or whether I'm pitching jigging wraps into the shallows or ripping through the edge of weed beds with reaction-style baits like Rapala ripping wraps, Rapala jigging wraps, whether you're crankbaiting on the edges and starting to grind some of the deeper gravel structures and it's it's lead core time it's it's jig wrap time it's it's that time of year you know uh, that's aaron templin from uh, destination sporting goods in bemidji open uh, what hours uh, aaron we are nine to eight okay all right appreciate it uh, very much getting the update Alrighty, thank you up next we check back in with dnr conservation officer bryce Volbright. Some people fish, some people don't. Those people are clueless. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. DNR Conservation Officer Bryce Volbrecht joining me today. Let's just talk a little bit while you're here, General. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing out there this year that seems to be a, a common denominator as people, I guess, fishing season now, uh, mm-hmm. people people are not behaving the way they should be on? It's normal. Most people are, are very good. I'd say 95 to 99% of people are out there enjoying it, not having any problems at all. Uh, we do run across a few that, that are having some issues, and once in a while that is alcohol-related. And we deal with that accordingly. Um, a majority of things we're running into is uh, a big one is riding on the gunnel or this, in layman's term, the side of the boat, the transom or the mm-hmm. stern, the front or the back. There needs to be a sufficient railing around that so people can't fall over. I know it's been a, a few years now, but we did have an accident two, three years ago where an individual fell over because they were riding on the gunnel or the side of the boat while it was underway in the prop. Uh, bolt props do a lot of damage to human flesh. Oh. Uh, that person ended up getting 
flighted out of here. So it, it does a lot of damage, and that's why we don't have or you can't do that. So that's a big one we run into. And typically when they're doing that, it's the boat is overloaded. There's too many people on there. There's a little yellow Coast Guard's uh, placard, I guess you'd call it, metal riveted into the boat that says how many people can ride in it. We see it all the time, boats loaded or can be used four or five people as the max. You'll see eight to ten people on there. It's just, it's unsafe. You lose maneuverability with the boat. It can sink. Um, I had a case, I was working with a, a neighboring officer on a on a local lake during the busy holiday weekend, uh, 4th of July, we came across a pontoon that was overloaded. So when we went to stop it, the driver put the, the pontoon in neutral, and because of the overload, the, the pontoon immediately nosedove. Over half the pontoon was underwater, and we had people going in the water and stuff coming out. So it's very important to watch that and make sure you're not overloaded, because bad things happen uh, so we get overloaded uh, gunnels and then make sure you have a life jacket i don't know if there's ever been a case of a drowning or at least this year where there's been a lo- life jacket worn and they're so comfortable now you can't hardly tell you're even wearing the new ones um, there's inflatables I, that's what i wear all the time i don't go on a boat unless i have it on i can't even tell i'm wearing it anymore so make sure you have life jackets and if you choose not to wear them, have them out so you can. You're not required to have them out, but it's a good idea. Put them on the back of the seat, on the floor, somewhere you can reach them. If you fall out and they're stuffed underneath, they're not going to do any good anyways. Okay. As far as um, fishing related, uh, I know a lot of times it used to be license was a big one. Yeah. Uh, and one thing that was a real big issue several years ago that they really, uh, I remember there being a big concentration on was gross overages. Uh, I don't even know if that's the right term, where people were taking way too many fish. Yep. Um, is that still an issue, or are we still finding that? Or is... Yeah, we still run into the same Dang. same stuff. It's it's an ongoing issue. Uh, it takes a lot of man hours and time to work that stuff, but still running the same stuff we ran into 10, 20 years ago. So over limits, people without licenses, extra lines is a big one for fishing, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one of the things is for a lot of people, especially if they're from out of state, I mean, a yeah. lot, I think some of our bordering states allow more than one line and they come here and they do the same thing. But that's not the case. It's it's one line per person in the boat, right? Yep, yep, unless you're going through the ice um, in okay. the winter. But, yes, summertime, we're talking boats, it's, it's one line. Okay. Has there been any move to, to examine that or are we fine with that here in Minnesota? I, I think personally, I think we're fine with it. I know there's been talk every year of of moving that to either two lines or buying a special license to have an extra line. There's all kinds of talk about it. But I haven't seen or heard of any movement other than talk about it. Yeah, I got enough time. I got enough problems worrying about my one rod and reel. And I, I don't yeah. know why I would need to get a headache with another two or three or whatever they want. Uh-huh. And I can tell you from experience, the guys using extra lines don't have any more fish than the guys using <laughs> the amount of correct amount, whether it's one in the summer or two in the winter. Okay. So. What about, um, and I know this is all just, you know, some rumors, but what are you hearing on the enforcement side about the push towards a statewide four walleye limit? I, I've seen probably the same stuff you've seen, stuff in the media, stuff from the, the round table. I know there's a lot of support for it, and we'll see where that goes from here. I mean, if you fish the big water around here, Red Lake, the Woods, Leech, Winnie, you're pretty used to a 
varying four, three, two, depending on the year and yeah. different slot limits. So typically people are used to it up here unless you fish. I mean, f- as far as good walleye, like Spamidgee and Black Duck are about the only two draws to the area that don't have the, the slot limits right. yet. Cast Lake, I guess, Cast Chan. Yeah. So how do you, as, a, as an enforcement officer, keep tabs on what you need to be looking for in every different lake you go to. That's that's got to be tough to stay on top of all of those. Yeah, you get, I mean, for my area, I get used to it. I have a lot of northern pike slot limits when you get sure. north of town. But if I go out of the area, I, I need to freshen up like other people. I mean, I've worked Lake of the Woods enough now. I remember the sl- slot and the, the limits, but I think that's changing here pretty soon too, the limits up there. So I do the same thing. Either I'll peek at the every public access has a bright... I call it a fluorescent green. It could be a different color. depends on how sun-faded it is. But <laughs> says a slot, slot if they're a protected slot, if there is one on the lake. Or else I'll look in the book quick myself just to refresh. So what is your area? What all do you need to cover? Uh, it, it kind of varies now. We're, we have some vacancies in the area, so I'm helping cover those stations. But my primary area is the Cass Chain, except for Cass Lake itself, so north of the Mission Road, County Road okay. 33. I get up into Turtle River, Papaski, uh, over to Wilton, and then kind of down to the county line and down through there. Okay. But you, you mentioned Lake of the Woods. Yeah, I like to uh, get out of the area once in a while and sneak okay. up there and work for a day here and there. It's okay. close enough Just, where I can make a trip and... And it's something different. See something different, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now, uh, obviously, um, we talk fishing a lot this time of the year, but you also cover the hunting, yeah. any other outdoor laws. Do you have to... Occasionally get out in the woods in the summertime just to make sure everything's going okay? Yeah, we still do. We I mean, we do have a little bit of a draw for ATV stuff here. We got the old Sioux Line Trail and the Wilton Trails and a trail at Paul Bunyan over there. So we got ATV activity. We'll be out checking that up in the Buena Vista, up by the ski hill. There's some ATV spots up in there. So we sneak out in the woods, and we're almost already getting into bear baiting. So we'll be in oh, the woods sure. a lot more, a couple more yeah. weeks here. So how long have you been a DNR conservation officer now, Bryce? I've been on for just over 10 years now. And so. uh, still doing it, so you still like it? Yeah, and it goes by fast. Uh-huh. If you like outdoors, it's got to be a good job for that. It is, yeah. <laughs> and I get to see where the fish are biting, so <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a perk right. to the job or where the ducks are concentrating in the fall. Right, so perfect. There are perks. <laughs> I guess there are. Bryce Volbrecht, DNR Conservation Officer, joining me today to talk about Little Allen's Law in effect tomorrow and several other things as well. And, Bryce, we thank you for your insight today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Fish out, Bob Barn, yeah. Country, country.